Welcome to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Good Saturday morning to you. Jason Kong here alongside Bill Alexander. Bill, how are you doing today? Hey, good morning. I'm doing great. Hope you are, Jason. I'm wonderful, Bill. It's great to be here today. <laughs> and uh, last week, we, we mentioned it briefly, but we, we talked about how wonderful it was uh, with your new Asset Protection Seminar. But uh, I, I wanted to spend a little bit more time on this because you had a great turnout. Well, we did. Actually. I was very, very pleased, and I, I hope that the folks who attended uh, uh, were pleased that they came and, and that they got uh, a good bit out of it, uh, because I really do enjoy sharing uh, what I can uh, that's helpful to folks as it relates to how to, how to protect and preserve uh, what they have. Um, and, and truthfully, the, a lot of it is fairly simple and basic. Uh, it's not even necessarily uh, legal documents, but I also have to apologize again uh, to the group that came, and, and it's because, you know, there was a glitch. <laughs> it was my own fault, but uh, the glitch was that I had uh, edited uh, my presentation a good bit, and when I got to the seminar, I, I realized that what was loaded on the computer uh, was not the edited version of, of what that I, I was trying to do. So um, while I was able to, without any problem, to talk about the things that needed to be talked about, my uh, my the uh, slides that I had for folks uh, were were actually not as good as I had hoped they would be, but. Like I said, it was totally my fault, <laughs> and it's like, well, those the kind of things happen from time to time, and you just go, okay, and move on. But I, I would say this, uh, for those folks who did uh, attend uh, the Asset Protection Seminar, I, I would love to hear from you, particularly if you can give me any specific advice on how to improve uh, and, you know, it, it's just a matter of the things that were important to you that, that uh, made a difference in the seminar. Uh, or if there were things that you thought uh, that I should have emphasized more or less, you know, those kind of things can be very helpful the next go-round because uh, we had such a good turnout. I, I do intend to continue to do the asset protection seminar, and at least for the time being, we'll continue to do it once a month. <laughs> you know, we'll do it on the second Wednesday of each month, just like we do our uh, Medicaid and VA long-term care uh, seminars, uh, you know, because it's easy for us to to do those on the same day, and it just it just makes sense. So I, I want to continue to do my asset protection seminar. Excellent. And so you can register right now if you're so inclined. You can go to WGALaw.com, and there you can find sign-up for the seminar in September. That is Wednesday, September 11th. Again, it's free to register, free to attend. Uh, they don't. Bill doesn't serve you food, but he does provide a wonderful knowledge, and you can also still register for the usual long-term care assistance seminars that Bill does. And again, WGALaw.com is the website. You can also call the office 919. 256-7000. There you go. How about that? Well, I do feed important information for folks, and That's hope, true. I hope that it's digestible. Sustenance, <laughs> sustenance for your mind instead exactly. of your belly. Well, I think it would be um, helpful to folks uh, because uh, 
um, uh, to talk about uh, asset protection, and and it uh, there are a lot of different things that that folks can do. And many of the things that we discussed are things that most folks don't need to do and won't do and don't, you know, and it's because I wouldn't even tell them to do it. But there is one thing that all of us should do, and it's really the foundation block of any kind of asset protection plan. And it doesn't have a darn thing to do with legal documents, uh, or, uh, but it does have to do with the law. And it has to do with the possibility of people uh, suing you. And that's having adequate liability insurance. Uh, and and it's, um, it, it's, the, it's really important to have a, a, an excellent property and casualty insurance agent, one that really knows what they're doing, Hopefully, one that can provide uh, really good insurance at a reasonable price. Uh, and, and actually, uh, there's a secret about procuring insurance that they wouldn't want me to say. But the fact is, is that uh, all of these PNC insurance companies uh, give you a really good deal the first year you sign up. It's sort of a loss leader year if you want to get right down to it because they want to get you in the door. And that's why we all see these advertisements where they can lower your auto rates by 15% or some magic number that's always pretty nice. But the fact is, is that they know that as, a, as human beings, we're lazy. And uh, because once we've done our investigation on to which company can give us the best deal, the companies realize that it's highly unlikely that we're going to do that investigation again and move companies very often. Um, and, and in fact, m most folks stay with the same insurance company their entire lifetime uh, and never change. Um, and so guess what happens after a couple years? The premiums go up, and it's not necessarily because the cost of doing business has gone up. It's because that's their business plan. They get you in the door cheap, and then they start raising the premiums. So truthfully, for those folks who are super cost-conscious and not lazy and want to save the extra money or need to save the extra money, the smartest thing they can do is to move their insurance every two to three years because that will all, they'll always get the best rates uh, when they do that. But it is a lot of trouble to do. And if you have a lot of insurance, it's really painful. But at the same time, it does save a lot of money. Uh, but let's – I want to go back. Now, that's just a tidbit, but – and I want to go back and talk about insurance, particularly t two types of insurance that uh, most of us have. And almost all of us have automobile insurance. And most any of us who own a home have homeowner's insurance. So I want to talk about those two kinds of insurances and uh, some of some things I want to talk about in terms of how much you need and, and those kinds of things. Um, do we have time to get into it, uh, 
Jason? Yeah, why don't we take a break and then we'll we'll dive right into those two types okay. of insurance. All right, let's do that. Okay, so stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Jason Kong here with Bill Alexander. And uh, Bill, we were just talking about the uh, uh, wonderful turnout that we had for your asset protection seminar, your brand new one that you offered this month and you will continue to offer uh, in the coming months. And people can find more about that at WGALaw.com. But one of the key points is insurance. And we were just getting into the two most popular policies auto insurance and home insurance. Right. And one of the things that I want, I've said this before on the show, but I will mention it again. Uh, and it, and it, uh, it directly relates to your auto insurance. And that is who owns the car uh, or who owns the truck. And so because most married couples tend to have their vehicles in both names, and while I, I would discourage people from doing that, I would tell you if you're married and you insist on having your automobile title in both names to make sure that when the car goes into your name, fill out that extra form that DMV has. And the dealerships normally don't do it. You have to specifically make them do it uh, to put the car with joint with right of survivorship. Because just because you own the car jointly does not mean that the ownership transfers to the survivor when one spouse dies, unless it's joint with right of survivorship. Now, I just said I don't want you to have it in both names. It really, the vehicle should be in the name of the person who is the principal driver of the car. In other words, whoever drives that vehicle the most, the vehicle should be in that person's name. Because with married couples, oftentimes you are actually riding along with your spouse. And if if both spouses uh, own the car in North Carolina, now this is, this is unique to North Carolina. You wouldn't necessarily find the same rule in another state. But in North Carolina, uh, you're deemed... Even if you're the passenger, if you're a co-owner, you're deemed to be controlling the car. So if you're, if the driver is negligent, runs into the tree, and you're injured, then you can, because you co-own, you cannot collect on your automobile insurance under the liability policy part. And that's a bad thing. But if your spouse owns the car by him or self or herself, and is negligent and you're injured, then you can actually collect on your own policy. And it doesn't matter in terms of, in other words, you can have five vehicles and there being, you know, two different names uh, under the same insurance policy. So it really doesn't have anything to do with uh, the underlying policy itself. And it doesn't cost a nickel more to have your vehicle in one name versus both names. So I always suggest that. Now, the next thing that's really important um, is the fact that you have to recognize that um, one of the biggest risks 
each of us in terms of losing property. In other words, what's the reason somebody might sue us? It's because of the possibility of our being negligent every time we get into the driver's seat of a vehicle. You see, so that's that's another one. Um, so there's a risk there. And there's another reason not to have the vehicle in both names. Because let's say that uh, it's in both names and um, one driver is negligent. Well, the bottom line is when the lawsuit comes in, both the driver and the owners will be sued. And if there's a deficiency judgment, that puts your home at risk because your home is in both names and your home is actually protected under the laws of tenants by the entirety. Uh, In other words, a creditor has to have a judgment against both husband and wife in order to go after the home. And so if you have your cars in both names, then there is a potential that both of you will be sued, and they also have the potential that they could go after your home. Again, if the vehicle is in one name and they get a judgment against one, they can't go after your home because the home's in both names. So, again, more protection if you have the vehicle in one name and not two names. Now, the next most important thing is max out your automobile insurance if you can afford it. And I believe the max uh, policy now is $300-$500 uh, uh, protection. And you might say, well, why max out that? It, it's, that's not only for your protection. Uh, I mean, it's not it's, – it's for the protection if somebody else is negligent and injures you because the majority of drivers out there, think about all of, I mean, even though it is against the law to drive on a North Carolina road without liability insurance, it is law, illegal. But I guarantee you that 10% of the drivers out there have no insurance and some of them aren't even licensed. Uh, but there are a bunch of folks out there that have no insurance whatsoever. And then there's a much larger percentage of folks who have minimum coverage. And truthfully, if you're injured, minimum coverage is not going to be anywhere close to helping you pay the bills that come from the injuries. And it's a, a, a horribly tragic situation. And then, so the the fact that you have maximum coverage gives you what's called uninsured motorist coverage and underinsured motorist coverage. So what it boils down to is it means that your policy extends to protect you if someone um, – hits you and is negligent and is and is in other words and you can recover against them then your policy extends to them and you have that full coverage for yourself and your family so to me that's really important for folks to know it also makes it easier better less expensive for you to have umbrella coverage now i'm going to come back to umbrella coverage because i think that's real and a very important concept because Uh, Most people who have property, you know, something to protect, should in fact have umbrella 
coverage. But I, I'm not through with car insurance or auto insurance because there's some other things about your policy uh, that uh, it, are, it, it can be very important to you. And th- one of the things I have seen frequently with insurance agents is they don't understand the medical payments or med pay provision of the policy, uh, nor do they understand how important that is to you. Uh, and so I, I tell right now the maximum med pay is thirty thousand dollars and uh, per incident and and a lot of folks have you know only a thousand dollars or five thousand dollars of med pay because the agents can save you ten bucks. Well, med pay is the least expensive health insurance that you can possibly have because, you know, the chances um, of you you're having high medical expenses if you're injured in an automobile accident uh, can be astronomical. Well, med pay will pay irrespective of other insurance. It doesn't matter if you have health insurance that covers it. It doesn't matter if another person has injured you and you recover against that person under their liability coverage. MedPay is going to pay you again up to $30,000 for any medical expense that you have while uh, being in your car. Uh, Whether it's your fault, somebody else's fault, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't matter if, if those medical expenses have already been covered by your health insurance, nor does it matter if it's covered again by the liability coverage of another driver. It still pays you again. So... I'm not going to call it AFLAC because it's not, <laughs> but it, it's basically money that really comes in handy for folks, and it's even more important for seniors. Do you know why? Why is that? <laughs> well, and, and this is one of the horrible things about Medicare, uh, but the bottom line is if you're on Medicare – and you're in uh, – I mean, this is something that, r- truthfully, seniors should rise up and uh, do something about as it relates to the law, as it relates to Medicare. But if you're injured in an automobile accident as a senior, Medicare is entitled to 100% of the proceeds up to the extent of their coverage. So if you're serious, I mean, for instance, if you're seriously injured in an automobile accident and Medicare pays your bills, and let's just say Medicare pays $100,000, and you're fortunate enough to be able to collect from the other driver's insurance, then Medicare is going to be made whole. And I've seen numerous cases where the person who's actually injured and, and suffered and continues to suffer from serious bodily injury and permanent injuries can get absolutely nothing because Medicare takes all the money back. Now, your private insurance, automobile insurance, uh, and your health insurance, until you get to Medicare, does not do that. So you actually can be made whole 
by, by someone who is negligent. But once you're a senior, if you're injured, it's like government policy is screw you. <laughs> we don't care. You're, you're too old anyway. So, I mean, truthfully, uh, it's, it's really uh, a travesty that our government policy uh, works that way. Um, in terms of how Medicare works. But it does, and people just need to understand that that's what the law is and that's how it works. And if and when it comes to automobile uh, accidents, uh, when you're a senior, you're going to get screwed by Medicare. That's just the way it is. <laughs> that's awful, Bill, because it, you, it's so hard to keep up with Medicare and understand what you're getting. And then when you're in a, a terrible situation like this, it's just – Surprise! You're not you're not going to get anything. Uh, well, I mean, you're lucky if you do. Let's yeah. put it that way, because Medicare is going to take the first dollars and be repaid every cent that they're owed. Uh, and it, truthfully, it is a policy that the government should look at changing. I mean, e- even if they they shared uh, settlements fifty fifty or doing something where a person could be compensated for their injuries. Uh, that's, uh, I mean, I just think the way the way it works right now is just totally wrong. Yeah, it's, it's unreasonable. And Bill, we're going to take <laughs> a quick break and we'll be back. And I know you've got some more information you want to share on umbrella policies. And we'll do that right after this. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. News Radio 680 WPTF. This is Asset Protection Today with attorney Bill Alexander. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander, and we thank you for joining us this morning. And Bill, we're talking about uh, key parts of asset protection, and we've gone over auto insurance, and I know you want to get to umbrella policies, but we were just talking about the, uh, the med pay portion of our auto policies. Right, and so I would I would tell folks uh, to tell their insurance agent to max out their med pay provisions. It's very inexpensive, and it can be, uh, but you have to know what it is. And because if you ever have any kind of injury inside your car, whether you're at fault or somebody else is at fault, your medical pay. Uh, will pay for it. And it will pay you 100% up to the maximum of the coverage. Uh, and uh, that is significant to folks, can be significant help, and it's very inexpensive uh, to have that med pay coverage. So very important for folks to add that uh, to the max as it relates to their policies. Um so having uh, the car in the correct name, maxing out the coverage if you can afford it or, or pay for as much coverage as you can possibly get. Uh, and, and then we want to add on umbrella coverage. But before we talk about umbrella, in order to have umbrella, you also need homeowner's insurance. And that basically means that the homeowner's insurance and the car insurance has to be in the same, with the same company. You can't separate the two out and have umbrella coverage. So, uh, and of course, if, you know, truthfully, as it, com- as it relates to liability, homeowners in North Carolina have very little to worry about. If you keep your home up and it's uh, safe, 
then the likelihood of any kind of liability arising from your home is extraordinarily small in North Carolina, uh, with one exception, and that is if you have um, what is termed by the law as an attractive nuisance, and that the the biggie would be a swimming pool, uh, particularly if it if it's not fenced to to keep out a potentially a young child that that wouldn't know better. Uh, that's that's typically uh, where liability can occur. Uh, for a homeowner, but otherwise, as long as you keep your your home safe, you know, in other words, you keep it repaired and you know those kind of things, where you're not going to fall through the floor and the like, then it's uh, likely. I mean, highly unlikely that anyone can successfully sue you. But you need your homeowner's insurance anyway to protect you from you know a potential fire or other casualty type loss. So you know we do and should have homeowner's insurance. Um, you know, and how much you have, again, is, is up to you, but uh, it, it really comes down to um, uh, what you have and, and how valuable it is and whether you want replacement cost or not versus, uh, I mean, because you can do it a couple different ways and people need to know that. Um, uh, now, with <clears throat> with that said, once you have homeowner's insurance, then you can include umbrella coverage. And so umbrella coverage is designed to uh, give you an extra layer of liability protection in the event someone sues you. And it goes over the top of your existing homeowner's insurance and your automobile policy. And uh, my recommendation for most families uh, is that they have a $2 million umbrella coverage. Um, now, years ago, I used to say a million dollars, but today it's, uh, it's not all that uncommon for you to, to see in the paper about a million dollar judgment against someone. Um, and because of that, having more than a million dollars coverage, I think, is helpful for most families. Even if your net worth's not $2 million, it's nice to have $2 million of liability uh, protection. Uh, because if you think about all of the expensive cars rolling around and the kinds of occupations people have, if you run into the wrong person, you can create <laughs> a lot of liability um, in terms of replacing expensive cars and, and people who have uh, big jobs with lots of income and all of that good stuff. So it's really important. Now, for higher wealth families, I would recommend closer to $5 million of umbrella coverage. Uh, but at the same time, I don't tend to recommend more than that, even if their net worth is a whole lot more than that. But I, I do think that between two and five million dollars is plenty of coverage for 99.9 percent .9 of us, as it relates to that. And and it's that umbrella coverage that uh, makes a huge difference. Now, then there's folks that have different kinds of property where you want to make sure your insurance covers it. And so for I mean. For instance, let's say that you've created a trust and you've put your home and you may have even put your car into your name as trustee under your trust agreement. Well, it's really important that when you do that, 
you contact your insurance agent and make sure that your insurance policy shows you as trustee on that policy. I mean, you can be on that policy for no extra money as an additional insured. Or let's say, uh, and it's really important, a lot of folks create trusts and they do what they're supposed to do. They transfer all their property to the trustee under the trust agreement, but then they never tell their insurance agent, and that's risky. So you got to be careful about that. And then um, let's say that you own a house, uh, like a beach house, with several other families. Well, um, you actually need a, a homeowner's um, or sometime, it just depends, either a homeowner's or a commercial policy that covers everybody. But you should also have an additional rider on your own policy for your interest in the house. So in other words, there should be one policy that covers the whole thing for everybody and then an additional uh, add-on for your own policy with your umbrella coverage so that your you're protected on your interest in that uh, property as well. So that that can be sort of a different kind of thing that that's, can be really important to folks. And again, you know, if you can do the same thing if your property is in an LLC and you have business properties, and of course, uh, business owners have additional issues. You know, they uh, it's you know probably the most important. Uh, insurance a business owner can have uh, other than liability. Uh, if they have employees, they need workman's compensation insurance because uh, that goes to personal liability to the owner uh, if they don't have workman's compensation insurance. And so there, there are lots of other insurance policies that folks should have. And I'm, I have not been exhaustive in saying what liability. And this is why you need a, a really good property and casualty insurance agent uh, who can uh, – and you, you need to discuss these things with them, and you need to understand what's in your policy. You know, a lot of folks just say, oh, oh, give me a homeowner's policy or give me what I need to, uh, to uh, make sure that the mortgage company's happy or, or whatever, but they never look at, at what – they're actually protected from, and more importantly, what they're not protected from, because there are exclusions uh, in policies that you need to know about. Uh, so if you sustain loss, you'll know whether you're covered or not. Yeah, that's important to know, and knowing all the ins and outs of your policy, and it's it's good to have a program like this, Bill, where folks can find little things like that that they typically wouldn't understand because there's uh, without reading a giant manual to understand the different nuances and these d- different parts of the policy, it's it's really hard to understand. So mm-hmm. I'm glad we've got this show, Bill, to help us wade through some of the difficult language. Well, we're going to mm-hmm. take a quick break, but we'll be back with more. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with a Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. Welcome back to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680. 
WPTF. I'm Jason Kong. He's Bill Alexander, and we thank you for joining us. And Bill, again, we're uh, talking about some key points that come to asset protection, in particular insurance today. And we're, we're doing that because you had such a great turnout for your asset protection seminar the well, other week. Well, and it's, it is important for folks to understand. And so no matter what kind of asset protection plan you devise, I mean, even if you go to the greatest degree and have what we call offshore planning, which we do, and I can do that. But at the same time, it's pretty rare because very few families need to do um, as, you know, offshore asset protection planning, although it's perfectly legal and, and um, can be very beneficial for certain types of families, generally very high wealth or high risk families. But no matter what kind of plan you have, your liability insurance is the cornerstone of that plan. And you have to have adequate insurance at every level, no matter what. It's just the way it is. Now, here's the other thing. Just because, you know, when you're a senior, just because you're not driving very much, don't you dare go and reduce your insurance because I don't need it very much and it's too expensive and I can save some money and I'd rather eat... Uh, you know, lobster. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the truth is, is when you drive less as a senior, you you actually need maximum coverage even more than when you were a good driver. Uh, Because, I mean, I I had a case last year uh, where a client of mine basically did that very thing. And, uh, wouldn't you know, a month after he went to minimum coverage, he ran into a motorcyclist and injured the motorcyclist. And it was his fault. He was negligent. And truthfully, when he came in to see me in tears, the um, he had a huge risk of losing everything. Uh, and, and, you know, at that point, there's not a whole lot you can do for somebody. Um, and... Um, you know, you can pray, but that's about it when it uh, comes to those kinds of things. Uh, but you don't want to put yourself uh, in that kind of position. So uh, having the right kind of insurance and keeping it up and making darn sure you have maximum coverage as your ability to drive lessons, it's, it's really important. Now, I want to shift gears. I, I, the, you know, there is another senior issue that is really important because you have to recognize that most families, uh, when a senior starts having long-term care issues, in other words, you know, there's something going on that uh, basically means they need help, most families, very few families, know how to deal with it. Uh, they, they know that they need to do something, but they don't know how much they need to do or how little is okay. Uh, And uh, it takes a lot of work generally for uh, sometimes it's the spouse, sometimes it's a a child or grandchild of the parties. But the the truth is most families uh, really struggle to provide long-term care for a loved one because they just don't know what they're doing. They've never experienced before. You, you know, I've said this lots of times. You don't know what you don't know. 
and um, and that's and it doesn't matter how well educated you are. You can read about it, but at the same time, it still doesn't give you the answer. Uh, physicians are not really uh, very good at helping you because they don't spend enough time with your loved one. They don't know it, and oftentimes they're given bad information. Yeah, you know, if they talk to mom, what's mom going to tell the doctor? I'm fine. <laughs> I don't need any help. And you're, you know, you're over there going, yeah, right. <laughs> so, what I'm getting at is, is that uh, typically the best place that folks can go for for true help is is with independent life care managers. And they used to be called geriatric care managers. A few of them still use that. Uh, but they rebranded, so they, they like the life care. But it's the really the important part is the independent part. In other words, they don't work for a home care agency. They are independent. They're employed by you. Uh, and they're worth every penny you pay them. And typically in this area, they run about a hundred to hundred and twenty-five dollars an hour. But you don't. It's not like you you need them all the time. You're actually using them to assess assess the home, assess your loved one, and to give you advice on uh, making changes or how much is enough or how much is too much. And that's the biggest quandary for most families. And, I mean, uh, a very typical issue for so many families is – and oftentimes they do a knee-jerk thing where the doctor says, oh, your loved one needs assisted living, where truthfully <clears throat> it may be that they shouldn't be living alone in their own home by themselves because there's a risk or they have early dementia or the like – but truthfully, um, oftentimes those folks can thrive in an independent living community, um, or at least they can for a, f- a few years before they may need an elevated uh, level of, of care. But most families don't even know the difference between nursing home care versus assisted living care versus independent living with care versus independent living versus home care. And truthfully, those distinctions between and among those levels of care are huge. And it's extremely important for folks to get um, that an understanding of that very cliff quickly when a loved one is um, – uh, going downhill. Uh, now, clearly, uh, and, and sometimes, uh, you know, the the facilities don't make it clear what level of care they are, um, you know, because a lot of nursing homes don't say it's a nursing home, it's a health and wellness center <laughs> or whatever. Some assisted living uh, places don't call themselves assisted living. Um, And it's really important for families to know the difference because most families do not have long-term care insurance. That's, That's another thing we talk about with asset protection. You know, obviously seniors are better off if they have long-term care insurance, but they're far better off if they got it back when they were 50 
or 45 or 55 than trying to, you know, oftentimes you can't get it when you're 65 or 75. So the, the point, and when you, when you wait past, say, 55, the premiums get pretty high. And a lot of families can't afford it at that point. And most folks don't even look until they're in their late 50s because that's when their focus turns to that. So now I'm getting off subject, and I apologize. <laughs> but, okay, so nursing care is the highest level of care. And that typically is for folks who have two things going on. They have medical issues. It might be that they're bedridden. But they have medical issues, and almost always they have uh, a need for help with activities of daily living. Okay, But the key for nursing care is that it's a combination of help with activities of daily living uh, versus um, and needing medical care at the same time. Because a nursing home is going to have a registered nurse 24-7 so that uh, and a doctor will be on call. So it is uh, important for folks to understand that. But there are other folks who only need assisted living because they need a fairly aggressive amount of help with activities of daily living. In other words, they, they can't do it for themselves. The other thing, uh, and, and now, so what's activity of daily living? Well, <laughs> and you have to distinguish between an ADL and an IADL. <laughs> now I'm really getting into it. I'm going to have to come back injury. next week. No, <laughs> I'm going to have to talk about that next week. But, but um, an ADL is the, is the kind of things when you learn at a very early age, you know, how to walk, how to talk, how to go to the bathroom, how to take a bath, those kinds of uh, those things, um, how to eat, you know, how to hold your fork. Uh, those are ADLs where IADLs are uh, to be distinguished. Those are the things that you should learn as a teenager or in college, you know, high school and college, where you learn to manage your finances and to uh, manage your home and, and to cook and to take care of yourself. But all of those things are important for us in terms of being independent, right? Because uh, now, for those folks that are uh, having issues with memory loss, that and this is something that a lot of folks get confused because if a, a person is um, uh, moderate to a high-level demented person where they really can't function, then uh, they need dementia care typically. Uh, and 95% of dementia care is in the assisted living arena, not in nursing care. And a lot of folks think that dementia care is, is a, it's so high and so expensive that it's nursing care, but it's not. And it makes a difference because Medicaid is, uh, with, with help, we help families all the time get approved for Medicaid if they need nursing care. But if a person is only in assisted living, even if it's 
dementia care in assisted living, then Medicaid's not going to pay for that. There's another program called special assistance, but a lot of families will never be eligible for special assistance because of income caps for that program that don't relate to Medicaid, two different programs. And, of course, it's very confusing because most people call both programs Medicaid, which is unfortunate. But the key is folks knowing the difference between nursing care and assisted living. And then, of course, uh, there are a lot of folks who can function just fine in an independent living community, even though they do struggle a little bit with ADLs or they may have uh, slight uh, dementia issues. My brother uh, is a good example. He thrived in independent living, even though uh, he had uh, a traumatic brain injury dementia, which was a short-term uh, uh, dementia issue. Uh, his short-term memory was pretty bad, but his long-term memory and moderate was was good. So he 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 basically thrived in independent living without too much help. But it's really important for folks to understand the difference. And even home care is another issue because government assistance for those folks who don't have long-term care insurance depends entirely on what level of care you need. And that's that's a critical issue for families to understand. Now, I realize that I need to invite in an independent life care manager to really talk about these issues in greater detail than what I'm talking about this morning. But it is an important thing for folks really to, to understand. It's really important. We'll do that in a future show, but we got to take a break right now. Stick around. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. You're listening to Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF. I want to remind you if you enjoyed uh, many of the aspects that we mentioned on the show related to asset protection that you're going to want to sign up for Bill's free asset protection seminar. He's adding this uh, along with the rotation of his long-term care seminars. You can find all the information at WGALaw.com. That's W. GALaw.com. Head over to the seminars section. You can also call the office if you'd like to register for free. 919-256-7000. 919-256-7000. We got to get out of here. We hope you'll join us again next week for Asset Protection Today with Attorney Bill Alexander on News Radio 680 WPTF.